Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 35 of Intuitive Bites Podcast. For the show today, I'm going to be talking about hunger and fullness cues and how we can start to reconnect to these things after being disconnected for a long time. Um, I'm also going to dive into situations where we um, may not be able to hear hunger cues as well. Um, So this may be in the case of like after or during an illness or after a surgery or after a period of a lot of food restriction or chronic dieting. Um, And then I'm also going to talk about how fullness cues can kind of be muted or dulled um, in situations where that comes up as well. So Uh, We're really just going to focus on hunger and fullness cues for this episode because this is something that I get a lot of questions about and I think there's a lot of misinformation around and um, yeah, it's it's really hard when when somebody doesn't trust um, their body to tell them when they're hungry and when they're full. Um, That's a, you know, just a recipe for having a a kind of messed up relationship to food. So there's a lot to talk about here. Before I dive further into the content for this episode, I wanted to mention a couple of different things. So first of all, I do have my Diet Culture is a Liar stickers available. So um, they went pretty quick last time. I have more in stock now um, and they're going quick again, but I still have some left over. So if you want one of those stickers, um, they're $5 each. Um, you can just reach out to me on Instagram, send me a message at theintuitive underscore RD, or you can send me an email at theintuitiverd at gmail.com. Um, so let me know if you want one of those um, and I'll get one for you. The other thing I wanted to let you guys know about that I just announced a couple days ago is that uh, Brianna Campos and I are hosting an intuitive eating and body image workshop in New York City this summer. So the date is Saturday, July 20th, and it's going to be a half-day event. So it's from like 8.30 in the morning to 12.30 in the afternoon. Um, I'm making this this workshop a little bit longer than the previous workshop I did because a lot of the feedback I got from participants was that they wish it was longer and um, there was you know a lot of content we could have gone further into, a lot more discussion we could have had. So I'm really excited to bring that feedback into this workshop. Um, and also we're going to be doing a lot more with body image because we have Brianna Campos, who is such an expert in that in that area. So it's going to be a really, really fun time where there's going to be a lot of really good information. Um, yeah, I'll definitely be talking more about this to come. But if you're interested in coming um, to the event, um, I will be starting ticket sales pretty soon. Um, and I'll let you guys know about that. Uh, that's pretty much it. So let's go ahead and start talking more about hunger and fullness. Um, so the reason that I decided to talk about this topic was because I recently had a post where someone commented and they were interested to hear more about 
um, some of the things that can kind of get in the way of hearing your hunger cues. Um, so I had mentioned in the caption of this post, you know, that things like medication and illness and um, certain surgeries and chronic dieting can really you know, make somebody completely disconnect, disconnected from their hunger cues or the cues can be totally muted. Um, so yeah, so that's why I decided, you know, this would be a really good time to dive into this topic a little bit further. So we're going to start with hunger and then we're also going to talk a little bit about fullness and um, how that can also get disrupted at times as well. So starting with hunger, um, First of all, how can we get reconnected to hunger? So it sounds kind of simple and it is simple, but the funny thing is that most of us before coming to this intuitive eating space or starting to work on intuitive eating, um, aren't really thinking about our hunger unless it's like, you know, punching you in the face and you're like super hangry and like overly hungry, um, and just can't stop thinking about food. Um, other than that, it's sometimes we are not even totally thinking about it. We're not even noticing, like, especially if it's like a subtle level of hunger or a moderate level of hunger. Um, it's really, sometimes it can be easy to kind of completely miss. Um, but as part of the intuitive eating process, we want to reconnect to that hunger. Um, so we can really allow our body to understand that we're going to provide food for it when it's telling us that it's hungry, right? We can't provide food for our body when it's hungry if we're not listening to what it sounds like or what it feels like really, um, for it to be hungry. Um, so usually when I'm working with clients, we will just start at the basics and be like, okay, like let's start with a hunger fullness scale and just have you start rating your hunger before meals and rating your fullness after meals. And basically it's a scale zero to 10. Um, and zero is totally like starving, absolutely ravenous, like completely empty, um, really, really uncomfortably hungry. Um, five is neutral, not hungry, not full. And 10 of course is like Thanksgiving dinner, super stuffed, really uncomfortable. You just want to sit down and do nothing. Um, yeah, not a good feeling and very, very, hung uh, very, very full. So that is the kind of introduction to the hunger fullness scale. Um, this is not something that I think that, you know, people need to be working with for a very long time um, because, you know, that can become obsessive and you can be like, oh, I should eat exactly at this number on the hunger scale or stop exactly at this point on the fullness scale. And that just turns into another diet, another rigid set of rules to follow. Not helpful. But I do think it's helpful in the beginning of the intuitive eating process for people who, again, just have been disconnected from their cues for so long that they don't even know what it feels like. Um, so this is just a good opportunity to start feeling that out, um, getting reacquainted with these signals. Um, so that's really a good place to start with, um, yeah, with hunger, with getting back to like what your hunger feels like. And then of course, naturally, as you start to understand what your cues feel like, um, it's going to be important to make sure that you are honoring that hunger when it's popping up for you. Again, this is not a rigid like, oh my gosh, I've been hungry for five minutes. Why didn't I eat five minutes ago? I'm a terrible person. I failed intuitive eating. Like that is not it, right? Um, too, too rigid, too strict. Uh, but if we can honor our hunger most of the time within a reasonable amount of time, it's going to be a more comfortable experience, right? If we let ourselves get too hungry all the time, um, 
it's just not comfortable. It feels crappy. You're thinking about food nonstop. You can't focus on anything. Um, and then it also impacts kind of how you're able to listen to your fullness. Um, but I'll talk about that more in a little bit. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that is um, kind of an introduction to how we can start reconnecting to our hunger. So let's talk about some of the ways that hunger can get distorted. Okay, so one example of a way that hunger can be hard to hear is in the case of an illness, right? Like our body clearly needs energy, needs calories um, in this in a situation when you're, you know, you have the flu or you have the stomach bug or um, you even a cold or whatever. But a lot of times our cues, we don't really hear them at that time. We don't want to eat. Nothing really sounds that good, but we have to kind of force ourselves to eat a little bit, which um, can be uncomfortable. So um, this is a situation where, again, and I'll, I'll say this probably over and over again as we talk about this, but um, thinking about eating as a form of self-care. So even though the hunger is not there, um, we know that our body still needs energy, especially I'm talking about, you know, in the case of an illness, like if you're not feeling well, your body is working really hard to make you feel better. And of course it needs those calories coming in just as much as any other day, if not, obviously probably more. Um, So that's a situation where we're using eating as a form of self-care, even if it's kind of going outside of the eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, right? Because again, this is not rigid. It's not black and white. Um, Another situation where hunger cues can get distorted, where we can't hear them, um, would be in the case of after weight loss surgery. Um, This is something that I bring up because I worked very closely with weight loss surgery patients for the first two, two and a half years of my uh, career as a dietitian, um, really before I started learning more about health at every size. So um, I was in that space for a long time and I constantly was working with patients who had had the surgery and really a normal, quote unquote, normal side effect of the surgery is that they're, they wouldn't be hungry. Um, and really patients were looking forward to that um, because they had a really bad relationship with their hunger. Um, but I, again, this is a, a conversation for another episode because um, I could talk about that for a really long time and how that is kind of, yeah, kind of really sad that that's how, what goes on for those patients. But anyway, in the case of weight loss surgery, after surgery, a lot of times these people are not hungry at all and they're kind of just following a regimen um, that they're, you know, that's given to them by um, the bariatric clinic and, you know, they eat this amount of food every day and they've taken this amount of fluid every day and they're doing that really as a form of self-care in that moment considering the situation that they're in even though their body's not asking them for food especially not in a way that they're used to um they still need to eat um yeah so another situation where hunger can get distorted and this is really the one that's going to relate to the vast majority of majority of you that are listening to this podcast is in the case of chronic dieting and or disordered eating eating disorders um you know all of this is on the same spectrum there you know some of the symptoms um or behaviors may be more extreme on different areas of the spectrum um but it's very, very common for hunger to be distorted in all of these people, okay? So let's talk about chronic dieting here specifically. So 
in the case of chronic dieting, there's a lot of restriction going on, right? It doesn't matter what your body size is, how much weight you've lost or not lost, it doesn't matter. You are restricting your intake in some way. Um, and maybe you're cutting out food groups or, you know, not eating at certain times of the day. So you're totally like, you know, skipping a meal or whatever. Um, in this situation, your body parts of it start to shut down, right? So like it's it's gets this message. It's like, okay, clearly she's not listening to these cues. It's not really doing anything for us to waste energy um, telling her that she's hungry. So let's just kind of conserve those calories. Um, and really this is just your body in like preservation, like self-preservation mode, like survival mode. It's like we need to conserve as much energy as we can because we're not getting enough. And again, I want to be really clear here. Like it doesn't matter what your body size is. If you are restricting, if you are chronic dieting, like on and off diets all the time, have been for years and years and years, um, this is something that can absolutely be a thing for you. Um, I will say also another really, really common thing for a lot of people um, who have kind of an erratic eating schedule, I would say. So this might be for chronic dieters. It also might just be for somebody who is very stressed, um, has a lot of, yeah, a lot of stress in their life. Um, a very common thing is for them to not be hungry in the morning or maybe at other times of the day, but I'd say breakfast time is like the most common. Um, and this can be a side effect of just um, the stress, um, making you not hungry. Uh, it can slow your metabolism again, especially in the case of chronic dieting, your metabolism is going to be affected. It's going to slow down in that survival mode. Um, so it's really common for people to not want to eat breakfast, feel like they have no hunger in the morning and just kind of skip it. Um, I don't want to put any morality to this or say it's good or bad. Absolutely. But I want to come back to that idea of eating for self-care. Um, you know, it's not something that necessarily you're going to do every single day all the time. But if we know that our body has gone without food the entire night when we've been sleeping and then we're, you know, going several hours without eating in the morning, um, we know our body needs energy. We know that it needs it even if our, the hunger cue isn't there telling us. Um, so just something to keep in mind. Again, I'm not creating a food rule for you here at all. Um, I just want you to ponder and think about it a little bit and um, consider the fact that um, you don't always need to have that hung hunger signal to eat, right? And I want to say that again, because I think that people first hear about intuitive eating and they think of it as, okay, I eat when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm full. And that is intuitive eating. But again, that is going to be another diet if we're sticking to it in those rigid, rigid terms. Um, so just keeping in mind, essentially that we, we need to embrace the gray area with intuitive eating um, in order for it to really set us free from all of these food rules. Um, so another situation I wanted to touch on as well um, is just in the case of if you're taking certain medications um, or if you're on a lot of medications, this can totally, totally impact your hunger. Um, it can, you know, mute your hunger so you cannot hear the signals. And it also can, of course, make you extra hungry in some situations. So this is a situation that I, I hear people talk about a lot and I, and I hear them say, yeah, but what about this and what about this? And I just want to basically say here the answer to, you know, 
taking a medication that's making you really, really hungry, hungry is not to restrict. It's not to fight that urge and fight that cue because that's only going to make your relationship to food more messed up. It's only going to drive you to want to eat certain things more than more just simply because you are restricting them. So it actually just makes everything worse if you are fighting the urge. So there's a you know a lot of different things you can do here, but I think that the most important take-home thing with medications impacting your hunger is again coming back to eating for self-care even if the hunger's not there and not restricting. Okay? So those things can kind of go hand in hand too, because I do find sometimes when people are taking medications that impact their hunger, um, you know, maybe there are times of the day where they're not very hungry, so they won't be eating at all, and they'll kind of just ride that wave, and then all of a sudden they'll be eating, you know, a lot later on in the day. And I think it's just really important to keep in mind that you know, you can be nourishing yourself well throughout the day and that will have an impact on your hunger to some extent, even if there's that external variable of the medication. Um, So again, I know that this is a really tricky topic and this is really, it can be really frustrating and scary if you have something that's impacting your hunger in this really powerful way and you feel out of control with it. Um, I do totally understand that, but I just want to make it really clear that the, the answer here is not restriction. Okay, so I want to move on now to talking about fullness a little bit more. So reconnecting to fullness. I introduced that idea of, you know, the hunger fullness scale before. Um, This is something that I work with my clients on. Um, I do find that fullness is a little bit harder to hear, right? I think, you know, personally, I can experience this. And with my clients, I can experience this, that fullness isn't always quite as in your face as hunger is for a lot of us. Um, A lot of us know exactly what it feels like to be, um, you know, starting to get hungry, but we don't, we can't really identify what it feels like to be comfortably full. Um, We know what it feels like to be overly full and uncomfortably full. That's a sensation that, you know, we probably are familiar with if if we've been in that situation, Um, which obviously I'm pretty sure everyone has. Um, But yeah, so fullness, I think, is a little bit more nuanced. So I will use the fullness scale again just to get people thinking about like, what does it feel like to be at an eight on the fullness scale? What does it feel like to be at a nine or 10? Um, What does it feel like to be at a six? So um, just an opportunity to start feeling out those sensations in your own body. Um, I do want to mention one thing about fullness. So Sometimes when uh, we let ourselves get to that point of like overly hungry, really, really ravenous, starving, um, our fullness is going to be delayed. So uh, that point of like comfortable fullness is going to be really hard for us to stop at. We're going to kind of eat past that that signal. Um And that is, I want to say, like, that is totally normal. It's not something to be like, oh, like, my body's going to want to eat past that point of fullness, so I better be extra diligent about making sure I stop at the right point, even though my body doesn't want me to, or be extra mindful to try and counteract this. Um, I want to make it really clear that it is normal when you're overly hungry to eat past the point of kind of comfortably full. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen every single time, but if it does, it's totally normal, right? Your body is reacting 
to feeling deprived and feeling restricted. Even if that was never your intention, um, that is how your body interprets that situation. It's being deprived of something that's really, really vital to survival, and it's going to overcompensate for that. Um, So the kind of, yeah, the answer here, it would be that most of the time, if we can eat at a point of, I don't know, moderate hunger, it's going to be easier to find that comfortable stopping point for fullness, right? Um, Again, this is not a method of like, oh, let's make sure that you don't eat past fullness because then you'll gain weight and gaining weight is bad, right? Like diet culture would turn what I'm saying into that message where it's like, oh, let's make sure you don't eat too much. That's not the point here. My purpose here is to make sure that you're having a comfortable relationship to food and that you're feeling good in your body and that food and your whole eating experience is not taking over your life and taking over your day and taking over your mental capacity. So if most of the time you can eat when you're moderately hungry and stop when you're moderately or comfortably full, um, that's just going to be the most most kind of like neutral thing that food can be for you. And that's that's a good thing. Um, okay. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the situation of when you override your fullness cues. Okay. So this is of course, when I'm talking about like really emotional eating, um, using food as a means to cope with something emotionally. Um, another situation where you might override your fullness cues would be in the case of if you're you have a lot of guilt and shame in your relationship to food okay so let me break this down a little bit further so if we're talking about emotional eating the purpose of um the food in this situation is not to satisfy your fullness cue right it's not to just like alleviate that hunger and like get the energy you need. The point of the food in that situation is to make you feel something, feel better, um, to give you that release of serotonin and good feelings um, because you are stressed by something or you have something on your mind that you don't want to be feeling. So once again, the answer here is not to um, restrict, right? The answer is not like, oh my gosh, I'm eating emotionally and I shouldn't do that because that's bad. So when I notice that I'm eating emotionally, I'm going to throw all the chocolate in my house away and I'm never going to bring cake in the house or I'm just naming random things. But, you know, it's not, the answer is not get rid of all of the food that I consider quote unquote triggers for me or things that I turn to as a coping mechanism when I am hurting, right? The answer is how can I address my hurting in those moments? How can I address whatever it is that I need in those moments? Um, And how can I meet that need better than using food? Again, I want to be really clear that I'm not saying (laughs) stop yourself in that moment. (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, I'm not saying stop, stop yourself in that moment and like rip the food away and go do the thing that's, you know, going to directly meet your needs in that moment. But if you can allow yourself the permission to use food in that moment, but also think of a way that you can address something 
address your emotions in that moment as well. In addition, that's going to be the key, right? That's going to be how you're going to start building your toolbox for other coping mechanisms beyond food. Okay. So I want to say that again, like the way that you stop or like, um, I guess I want to say like the way you lessen your emotional eating, like the the amount of times you're using emotional eating as a coping mechanism is not by restricting. It's not by ripping that coping mechanism away from you. It's by adding coping mechanisms to your toolbox. Okay. So when I'm talking, yeah, so we're talking about fullness here. Basically, my point here is, you know, don't get mad at yourself for being like, well, you know, I don't even listen to my fullness cues and I'm just a terrible person. I I don't know how to hear them because likely you do know how to hear your fullness cue. It's just that you're not actually using food in that moment for the purpose of getting full or like being comfortably full or meeting your energy needs. So that's not even going to be a factor in deciding when you stop eating. The other thing I mentioned here was this idea of guilt and shame. So I want to talk about this a little bit as well and and dive into this a little bit more. So if you are eating something and guilt and shame are wrapped up (laughs) in in that eating experience, fullness cues are going to be once again overridden because you are, because guilt and shame are fueling that eating experience. So what I mean by this is if I say to myself, I should never eat ice cream. Ice cream's bad. I don't know what's wrong with me and why I crave ice cream all the time. It doesn't have any nutritional value. It's not good for me, yada, yada, yada. Um, Again, this is all food police, diet culture thoughts coming out. If I'm saying all this to myself and I decide, okay, I'm going to allow myself to have this small portion of ice cream or whatever, this allotted portion of ice cream. And during that eating experience, I'm sitting there eating it, thinking about how I should work out a little bit extra tomorrow to work it off, or I'm so bad, or something's wrong with me that I want this ice cream so bad, and I'm feeling so urgent in this eating. Like, So I'm just kind of judging myself. I'm guilting I'm feeling guilty. I'm shaming myself. Um, I feel terrible about what I'm doing. Um, This is not going to be a satisfying eating experience. It's not going to be what my body really wants. Um, And again, like there's going to be this fuel behind eating that's powered by the guilt and shame that's going to make me want to keep eating it. Like it's going to be like, I cannot get enough ice cream at all, doesn't matter what my fullness cues are telling me, I can't get enough ice cream to satisfy this because I'm literally like, you know, drowning in the guilt and shame. Um, So I hope that makes sense. Basically, the point is that if guilt and shame are present, um, it doesn't really matter what your fullness is saying. So we need to, again, not even talk about fullness here, but address the guilt and shame. We need to start breaking down why we feel guilty, why we feel shameful, and start to neutralize food dis- food choices, right? Ice cream is the same as eating broccoli in terms of morality. So if I'm, you know, it's 1230 at night and I'm feeling hungry for something and I go choose broccoli, cool. If it's 1230 at night and I'm feeling hungry and I go choose ice cream, cool. All the same. It's neutral. That is the point we want to get to, Um so we can really eliminate this guilt and shame in our relationship to food. 
All right, guys, so I am going to leave this conversation here. I hope you got a lot out of, you know, all of this talk of hunger and fullness and reconnecting to these cues and also just talking about the variables that can kind of get in the way of us being connected to these cues. And hopefully you got a little something out of what you can, you might be able to do and how you might be able to respond to um, those variables. Uh, So that is all I have for you. I'm super excited. Um, to let you guys know about that workshop that's coming up this summer. So if you're interested, it's like I said, it's July 20th. It's all things intuitive eating and body image. It's a half day event. It's going to be so much fun. Um, reach out to me if you are interested so I can jot your name down um, and I'll give you more details once they're available. And that's all I have for you guys. If you've been listening to the podcast and you're enjoying it, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating click on the stars or take a second and leave a comment, you know, in the form of a review. And that would be greatly appreciated. I hope you guys all have, have an awesome holiday if you're celebrating. And I also hope you have an awesome week and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.